0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: The Sportsman's Nation is powered by interstate batteries for all your battery needs, whether it's a trail camera, your vehicle, your four-wheeler, whatever it is, interstatebatteries.com has got you covered. Visit your local interstate battery store today. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald. This is episode number 76. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jordan hope of north alabama we're going to talk about his season how it changed dramatically from the beginning of the season to tagging three birds already in the in the last week of the season this is the southern ground hunting podcast Alright everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm sitting here in my house with a swollen foot. Um, Probably I'm going to have to call it quits on turkey season for 2020 here in Alabama at least. I've got a trip scheduled for Tennessee coming up in a week. I'm going to be there for about nine days and uh, hopefully my foot's going to be better by then. I don't know what's going on. It's like like a tendon or something like that. I think the closest diagnosis i can find for it is like uh planter's fasciitis or something like that and my foot's just swollen i can barely walk on it so these last three days of alabama season i'm not probably gonna get to hunt which uh is probably a good thing because i've spent the last what i think i'm on 19 days now just walking aimlessly around the woods and not hearing any turkeys gobble at all Um, so it probably is not a bad thing to keep me out of the woods so I can let this thing rest for a little bit. But man, I have seen a ton of turkeys get killed in the last week, especially here in Alabama. Um, I think a lot of it is due to the pressure easing up a little bit. You know, people went really hard due to not, not being at work. They didn't have to go to work through the coronavirus stuff. And so, um, I don't think it's any secret that a lot of the management areas and national forests have been getting pounded. And um, and it seems like maybe some of that pressure has eased up a little bit. I can tell you this, for our guest today, Jordan Pope, that is absolutely the case. He uh, he struggled, put over 100 miles on his boots this season, um, chasing turkeys around public land in North Alabama. And uh, it has paid off tremendously in the last three days. He has killed three turkeys. He's going to tell us about that. He's going to tell us kind of the things that he did to maybe shift... Um, shift what he was doing and change his game plan a lot he said that the, uh, the pressure was down significantly from the beginning of the season but um, he did change a lot and he's going to tell us about those things so um, I hope you guys will listen to this and take notes I know turkey season in Alabama is almost over but a lot of turkey seasons are still going um, pretty strong and so if you're in another state or you're in Alabama and you plan to hunt another state this year uh, take notes on this one. It's this a good episode with Jordan Pope. I think you can learn something. Um, before we get into it, I want to remind you guys, you can save 15% at screegear.com by using the code, all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground at checkout. You've heard me talk about Screegear. I love the stuff. Been using it um, now for turkey season and this past year season, and it's still holding up, still going strong. Crazy story. I actually have not washed any of my turkey hunting gear uh, all year all since since uh let's see i guess i washed it in the beginning of march and here we are it's may 1st and it has not been washed and um it does i'm not going to say it smells good but for as many miles as i've walked as much as i've sweated it smells decent we'll say it smells decent so i say all that to say that uh you deer hunters early season deer hunters you know your, your clothes starts to smell uh, and and I'm I've got a pile of clothes right here that I'm looking at all of which um, during deer, deer season it's just got a stank to it um, scree gear the merino especially the merino base layers they just don't smell much like they it, it's crazy um, so that's a that's a definitely a big plus another huge plus is the crap is durable it is so durable I have not had any um, rips or tears in any of my hard scrabble stuff um, it's just been just been awesome i've been super impressed with it so go and save 15% at uh, at checkout at screegear.com on any of the stuff there i think you will like it all right guys we're going to get into this episode with Mr. Jordan Pope of North Alabama All right on the line we have an Alabama turkey hunting fool named jordan pope jordan how's it going buddy good how are you man i am doing well i've uh i've got a messed up foot right now so it's kind of keeping me out of the woods for the last week of turkey season and it's driving me crazy but um i've been living vicariously through guys like you this week so um it's been it's been good man it's been cool to watch your your season just like completely turn around this week
0: yeah, it's been a it it really popped off. I told my wife, you know, I kind of haven't really hunted in the afternoons all season, and I set her down. and said, "Look, I got to buckle down. It's <laughs> like I'm going to have to leave work and go hunt." You know, and it's really it's paid off. So I think that with the combination of everybody kind of slacking off this late, yeah, it really it, it turned out positive.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now you've been dealing with a lot of. Uh, most all pretty much all public land right that's that's pretty much what you do that's
0: all i hunt now okay two or three years ago it
1: was a migs i gotcha so you you've been dealing with a lot of the coronavirus pressure that's that everybody's really dealing with but uh, it seems like it was uh it was kind of an obvious thing for you kind of talk about that how how the beginning of the season was versus you know this past week well to start off with i mean it was just a train wreck from the beginning
0: i usually hunt one spot every opening day and most years it's really good and sometimes it's not but it's a tradition for me i just like to open up there well a guy pulls up at the gate that i'm at and i've been there since like three in the morning he gets out of the truck and i'm like trying to coordinate with him like hey man you know where are you planning on going and he didn't really say much and he was like wearing like brand new Nomad, like head to toe, and <laughs> he, just, he was just like kind of blowing me off. And I was like, "Well, you know, whatever." I said, "Look, I'm going to be right here in the front, and this is a pretty big area. I'd say it's like two, three thousand acres. It's like I'm going to stay in the front around here. I'm I'm going up this ridge, right, like directly in line with the gate, and it's on a private line, is what it is." Well, I get up there. And I'm up there way before daylight. I, I'm I'm thinking it's like 45 minutes before daylight. Well, time goes by. The sun starts coming up a little bit. And I see flashlights coming through the woods. So I turn my flashlight on, shine it down at them. They're in the bottom. They shine their flashlight back at me, and they keep coming. I'm like, what's going on? Well, I decided to whistle. And when I whistled five birds hammered like 100 yards from me. <laughs> Like, just led off. I was like, oh, God, they're coming up here now. There's there's no stopping them. Yeah. You know? Well, i seen those guys with the flashlight. They just sat down. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I can, you know, put some work in before everybody gets up here. Well, most of the birds, there's a, a little pasture right there that's on private. There was like three of the birds or four of the birds ended up dropping down in that pasture. And they all gobbled pretty good, but there was one bird, and he gobbled one time towards me at my tree calls, and he shut up. And I was pretty much banking that that bird was going to come in silent. I was like, yeah, he's going to come check me out. So I went ahead and turned to my left, which was facing towards the ridge top, because I was sitting on a shelf on the edge that they like to walk. I killed a couple of birds there. I knew that, you know, they dropped down, hit that shelf, hit the drainage, and go to the bottom to get to the creek in the morning. So I was like, well, he's gonna come over on the top. Sure enough, about ten minutes, the bird shows up, and it's a little pine row. And I needed him to move about one foot to the right because I couldn't see his beard. I knew it was a gobbler, but I just couldn't see his beard, so I didn't want to shoot a jake. So I was like, man, I, I need to wait. Well, all of a sudden, the bird books it. I mean, it just takes off, and I was like, man, what happened? Well, I get up. And as soon as I stand up, I see a guy crawling through the pine row behind where that bird was with a decoy on his back. And I'm like, Hey man, i was take off like finger on the trigger. I literally almost shot you. And he said, yeah, well, you know, I heard you up here calling. I heard them birds gobbling. I was going to try to get in between you and them and
1: cut them off. <laughs> oh, and We're man. talking,
0: I'm, I'm like, 180 to 100 yards from the the line so i'm like well i just blow it off I'm like romantic public land it happens you know no big deal well, i walk like 150 yards strike another bird he gobbles runs 20 yards towards me and gobbles and i'm like in the gravel road so i drop and get to the side of the road well i heard something behind me walking this dude circles me gets 40 yards in front of me walks out into the middle of the gravel road and starts wailing on a box call
1: and I literally seen the bird hit the edge, see him, and go back in the wood <laughs> golly that's that is a that is an opening day that nightmares are made of, man. It was interesting man <laughs> I, and it really it
0: scared me more than anything,
1: yeah, yeah I mean people you know doing stuff like that just to kill like the I mean the only person they're really putting in danger is themselves doing that especially especially with him knowing that you were there. You know, I, I yeah. heard you calling on that box call and then to put a fan or a decoy or whatever he put on his back or whatever he did. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. I think just today uh, in the state of Alabama, I think, if I'm not mistaken, somebody got shot uh, being mist- mistaken for a turkey. Um, I've seen that's that. that's something that
0: unless, like, people are reaping, I have a hard time thinking that somebody's not just knee-jerk shooting, unless, like, there was a decoy involved. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it just, it, it people can say, you know, oh, well, that's public land for you, but it just, it just shouldn't be, man. I mean, people, me and my dad, we went fishing today. I, my foot, like I told you, I got some kind of something going on. I one of my my left foot is like uh it's got like a tendon or something like that that's I don't know what's I really honestly don't know what's going on with it. Um but it's swollen up. I I tried to turkey hunt yesterday. We walked 5 miles yesterday and I mean, it just killed my foot. Um I was limping all 5 of those miles. And uh so we went fishing today and it's kind of the same thing out on the water when you're out there and um you know you're fishing a cove or whatever and some other boat just rolls up and decides they want to just kind of cut you off and it 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 just shouldn't be that way you know there's lots of water there's lots of places to hunt um it's it's interesting man like i i pulled up to a gate i heard a bird i was up on this ridge
0: there's a gate in between us down the bottom there's another gate up top and i had heard a bird the day before hammering up there I was i, I was like man if i wasn't already like a mile away from this bird i would get down and go chase him but i was going to have to get in my truck and drive up and i knew i was on birds where i was well i pulled up that next day and this this guy when i pulled up he walked out of the woods and he said hey man uh there's two of us already back there i said oh that's no problem I was like, i'll just go somewhere else he said yeah somebody's been pulling up and rolling my truck wrapping it in toilet paper every day because i'm here at 3 30 every day since i'm not working
1: just so i make sure I have a spot, and I was like, no way. <laughs> Golly. People are savage, it's man. they brutal. <laughs> they're it's just brutal out there. They're, they're crazy. And, and for me, you know, and I think a lot of people, the, the kind of people who are listening, I honestly, it, if I had to tell you, like, the kind of people that I've met through this podcast, like the people I know that are listening to this, our main goal is to get away from people. Just to get away from yeah. folks. Like, I, I, I don't know personally a whole lot of people are like yeah i'd like to go in there and get right up next to that other guy that's hunting that just doesn't sound like a good tactic to me i don't think they're making podcast episodes about that um that tactic (laughs) you know it's just it don't make a whole lot of sense to me so when i hear those stories i'm like what in the world is somebody like when has this ever worked for them like that's what i want to know like now it it being public land for me and this
0: is just me speaking from in the past You know, I've ended up in the same area. Somebody just threw walking and ended up, you know, 400 yards from that other person with a bird splitting us in between. And at that point, you know, for me, it's wherever the bird goes, just let them go that way, you know, but you never do it on purpose. You never Mm -hmm. intentionally put yourself. And my buddy, his name's Hunter Roberts. He's He's a turkey killer. I mean, he's legit. He's killed like, 40, 50 birds in like twenty years. I mean, multiple states. He's an animal. Well, he was down there this year and he got on a bird gobbling in the morning and he was within eighty y- yards of the bird and he said, "Man, I got afraid to move because all of a sudden I heard four or five different people calling around me." He said, "I just didn't want to them to think I was a bird." <laughs> I
1: mean, it's it's been a war zone. <laughs> yeah, it, I know it has. I haven't dealt with it quite as much where I'm at. Um, I think I've ran into one person, and it was actually the second bird that I killed. He was uh, he was walking in as I was walking out with the bird, and so it kind of worked out in my favor on that one. But um, but he, oh, that was a
0: lovely side for him. <laughs> yeah. It,
1: well, to be fair, I think I gave him a little bit of intel. I, and for anybody listening um, who might think this is stupid, uh, I'll let you know why. So this property um, this public it was it, the road comes out of a, a hunting club and use it, it comes into the public land and then like he makes a big u back into their hunting club and that turkey was on their hunting club in the greenfield and I called it out onto the public so i'm walking back with this bird and walking on the road and that guy um, was walking to that greenfield on the same road and so we run into each other and i was like oh crap this is going to be this is going to be a confrontation he's not going to be happy about it and uh, he was super nice there was another another gobbler with the bird i had and i you know gave him the intel i was like man there's another bird with it if you want to go in there and try to kill him um, and he didn't that day but he ended up killing that same bird probably a week later um, it, i say it was the same bird it was it was in the exact same area um, and you know I, I think that kind of stuff is is great like if you I try to be intentional about being friendly with people, even if they're jerks, I try to be friendly with them as much as I can um, and that's that's helped me avoid too terrible too too many like confrontational situations but I'm also uh, I think like you are and a lot of guys who listen to this and the kind of people that we have as guests on this show, um, we're not gonna do that on purpose like I'm just not gonna go in. Where somebody else is on purpose. If I see a car, I'm gonna. Tr- if I see a truck, if I see a person, or if I see a flashlight, I'm gonna try to get as far away from that person as I possibly can. Um, I just have I have no no desire to hunt deer or turkeys close to somebody else. It's just not it's not in my it's not in my tactics list. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, we we've kind of established that you your season started off rough and uh, and it has turned around very quickly. But before we get into kind of the the turnaround of it and maybe even a little more of the bulk of your season um jordan tell us where you live um what you do for a living and how you got into turkey hunting so i live in florence alabama
0: which is near Muscle shoals it's the northwest corner of alabama uh it's a great place to live there's a lot of birds it's a nice town most of the people are really nice. Um, as far as what I do for a living, I'm a union plumber. And uh, I love it, man. I stood in uh, knee-deep water fixing a, a water main that an electrician hit today for about five hours. <laughs> and then I went turkey hunting. So, you know, you can imagine I'm pretty wore out. But yeah. it, it's good. But as far as how I got into turkey hunting, there's a there's a guy up here. His name's Scott Phillips, and he runs an organization where they take kids who don't have the chance to go hunting, whether it be for lack of parents or, you know, money issues, whatever the issues are, they give them a way to get outdoors and experience it, whether it be the first time or the hundredth time. And uh, both of my parents had ended up passing away in the same week when I was 16, and I ended up. At, the, at a guidance counselor who worked in the same church as Scotty and Scotty was the youth minister there. So me and him kind of got aligned and I started going hunting with him and, you know, we ended up deer hunting and I ended up seeing like 130 inch deer the first time I ever went hunting. It was crazy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa, like, and it's never happened since. I've never seen a deer that big, like in person since. But, <laughs> we ended up you know springtime came around i think it was like two or three years later he he came he called my aunt who's my adopted mom and he was like hey i'm gonna check jordan out of school we're gonna go turkey hunt she was all about it so we went and uh we ended up hearing a bird across the road and a creek and never could i mean do anything with him of course and then we went a couple more times and through the years, we went a couple of times, and I just never, I never had any look at it. It was hot, you know. I was young, and I just, I was like, man, this is just, this ain't it. Deer hunting is where it's at, you know. So, we Haw on years later, and uh, me and Scotty end up in a club on a spot that we call Texas Ridge. And I had really started digging into turkey hunting. I mean, I was, like, reading everything I could about it. And the year prior to that, I had went and hunted Freedom Hills, and I would missed my first bird. And that bird had gobbled midday. And I got on him, got to him, shot at him, missed him. Another bird was on the limb at, like, 10 o'clock, dropped down right in front of me and gobbled and ran away from me. Like, I was hooked. I was like, this mm-hmm. is the craziest thing that's happened to me. It's like National Geographic. <laughs> I didn't know what. To do. So, ended up a year later in that club with them, and uh, I think it was April 4th. Ended up calling my first bird in. I had a Jake decoy and a hen decoy set up. This bird came up to holler, and he was strutting. And all, I had purred and clucked at him once, and he was coming. And he folded out a strut, ran up that Jake decoy, chest bumped him. And it was over. I mean, I shot him, and I was—I was hooked. I
1: was hooked at that point. <laughs> I understand. I understand that. That's a—that's funny. That's, you know, your story about getting into hunting. Last week we had a guy named Ricky Bullard that came on the show, and he was telling—he—he he told us all about how first time he ever went turkey hunting, he killed a bird. The first time you went deer hunting, you saw this giant buck. I think a lot of those type of situations um and scenarios happen to guys on their first trip out you know it that's the guys who a lot of times you see they're hooked they're just hooked they get hooked on it and uh yeah they chase
0: it the rest of their life
1: they chase it yep you chase that feeling man and like i told ricky i was like man i i hope to god that my kids get to experience that you know early on so that they can they can understand why i why their daddy's chasing it all the time because that's i mean it's like a it's it's a it's just better than any drug it's it's better than any alcohol It's better than any of it man it's just it's a it's a high that you got to keep getting over and over and over again and uh and every time you know you talked about the missing that turkey and then the one that flew off the roost and and got away and it, those type of scenarios man they just they eat you alive until you finally make it happen like uh, one guy told me one time I missed a bird last year, and a guy uh, that I was talking to about it said, "Well, you know, you needed something that you had to think about for f- the next five years." And it's true, man. I've shot turkeys since then, and I keep thinking about that same one that I missed. I'm like, y- you just can't shake it. So I-, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, man. It's, it's a, it's a feeling like no other. And um, man, I'm just, I'm that- that's super cool. You know, the story about this this guy, Scotty. Is that his, his name is Scotty? Is that right?
0: Yeah, Scott Phillips and the organization he has is called Outreach Outdoors is a great thing, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where could anybody check out the Outreach Outdoors um, information? Uh, you
0: can, you should be able to look up Outreach Outdoors on Facebook, or you can look up Scott Phillips and see his association with Outreach Outdoors,
1: and you can just message him and. That he'll give you his number and give him a call and you can get linked up with him. That's cool. That's really neat. That may be somebody we need to get on the show too, just to, to talk about that. You know, I think a lot of, there's a lot of people out there um, that I meet, you know, I work in, in the church world. Uh, I meet a ton of people who want to go and hunt. They have, they've got a desire for it, but they don't, they've never had like that influence in their life, you know, of, a father figure or a grandpa or uncle or whatever um that could take them and so you know stuff like that man that's just that's you know obviously we should all be doing our job with taking new people and trying to get people in the sport but man I just respect the heck out of people like that who have dedicated uh, a good good portion of their time and of their life to to seeing seeing that stuff happen so that's really cool man that's that's uh that's that's a neat story and um, just hearing how it all kind of unfolded for you. That's pretty cool. Um, so we've talked, you know, in the past, me and you talked a little bit about how, um, you know, usually you're able to get on turkeys real quick or, you know, in scouting is obviously a really big thing for you. Um, trying to figure out where birds are at, marking pins on your onyx, um, doing things like that. Was this year any different than most years as far as the preseason prep that you were doing, like going out and trying to find goblin birds, trying to find fresh sign? was it? Did it seem different, or was it about the same like normal?
0: Uh, I, I think that I tend to do things a little bit different than most people. Um, as far as how turkeys naturally react, I mean, just to – the changes in season and what's coming up uh i had a piece of landlocked tba huntable that i got to really watch birds for a couple of years and see what they were doing i got to see birds breed in the middle of february in the rain i mean i got to see turkeys do a lot of things that a lot of people never get to see and um what a lot of that turned into for me was that You can start finding these birds a lot earlier than people think.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, Of course, they're going to spread. Of course, pecking order is going to hit. And a lot of that early gobbling is establishing that. But what I use it for is if it's a good roost area, it's a good roost area. It doesn't matter if it's February 6th, which I usually end up going out about February 19th, which is my birthday, and I start listening around that weekend and for the last three years i've done it every every time that i go that early i hear birds gobble and usually i end up hunting that spot at some point in the season and there's birds there just because is it the same set of group of birds possibly not i think that maybe a dominant staying in that area he's probably pushing some other birds out but once they start to get out of that winter pattern and I know that a bunch of people have noticed this. You'll see an area that'll be covered up with birds during the winter, all through winter. People are like, "Man, this place has like thirty, forty birds on every field." Springtime hits; they're they're two miles down the road on the neighbor's property. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're looking for different things for springtime and and wintertime. So,
1: let me let me interrupt me, you real quick. Do you? Obviously, you deer hunt and you turkey hunt. Do you put a lot of stock into, you know, let's say you go into a new area, which I'm sure you have before. um, And I'm sure you've seen turkeys in new areas before. Um, Do you put a lot of stock in that? Do you mark that and save that information or later? Do you kind of, you know, I I see them a lot during November, um, December. uh, And, you know, occasionally I'll find spots that turkeys are at in the spring, but sometimes they're not anywhere around. Do you do you really pay much attention to that?
0: I always double-check it.
1: So if, if
0: I know that there's birds using a spot in, you know, deer season, November, December, I mark it, and that's one of the spots that I'm going to go check in the six weeks leading up to season.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and it can pan out sometimes, and it can't. It just depends on what the food's like there, what the terrain's like there. You know, a lot of these birds the way that i if i'm going to a brand new area like if i was going to bankhead the first thing i'm going to do is pull up a topo look for a set of finger haulers with a creek running through the middle of them because what a lone bird is trying to do in my mind is he's trying to cast that vocalization as far as he can to find any him that can hear it and the best way to do that is in those big holler systems that loop and Everybody knows, you know, turkeys generally like the roost over water. So once, if if I'm seeing birds in areas like that, usually they're going to stay in areas like that. You know, you get yeah. down by the creek bottoms, so it's going to be tore up. But just seeing them in random fields here and there, I don't usually take too much stock in that. It, it just depends. You know, farmers could have planted something there. It just, you know, birds cruise a lot during the winter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've seen. I've seen, you know, some spots they pan out. You know, I'm not really hunting a lot of fields in the places that I hunt. There's a couple of places where I've got, you know, green fields on private land close by or something like that. But for the most part, I'm hunting those ridges with uh, creek bottoms uh, at the bottom. It's pretty, you know, pretty typical for North Alabama, um, big woods type stuff. And uh, but I do notice, man. I I notice more times than not that I'll see a lot of turkeys in those in a lot of the deer areas that I hunt in the winter time. Yeah. I mean, I'll see twenty, thirty, forty where they're all flocked up. I mean, they are all together. Almost every time I hunt there, I have a couple spots that every time I go, I will. I'm almost guaranteed to see about thirty. 30 birds fly off a roost and walk in front of me. I mean, it is like, it's like clockwork. But come springtime, there may be one or two or, or none. You know, this year, um, this past deer season, I saw more turkeys in there than I ever have before. And this year, I mean, it's like they just got abducted by aliens or something, man. They're like, there's not even any sign in there. It's it's just crazy. And so... um. I, I I'm kind of like you, man. I I, I mark it if I've seen turkeys in an area, then more than likely I'm gonna try I'm gonna try it out during turkey season at some point. Um, here we are, you know, three weeks three weeks after I killed my last bird, and I haven't heard gobble since then. So I've got time to go check out some of these areas. It's not like I'm you know leaving anything behind. It's pretty much the same story every time. So I was just curious to know if if you put a whole lot of stock into that. Um, so, you know, you started off, we, we, we talked about that. You started off rough. Have you, um, have you, I guess, no, uh, you noticed a, a difference in, um, this year and last year as far as, uh, the number of hunters that are out. Have you noticed a difference in the, the kind the, the, the weather, the weather seems like it's really kind of changed a lot more this spring. You know, this morning you could see your breath. It was 40 degrees outside. Um freaking cold. Usually it's it's pretty hot by this time of year. I mean, I'm usually wearing short sleeve stuff with um like uh, uh they're like camo spandex arm sleeves that I can put on my arms cuz it's so hot. Yeah. This year just hasn't been that way. Have you noticed a difference in the turkey hunting? and maybe the gobbling activity because of that? So, for me, I think that
0: I try. I'm not a turkey biologist. I don't know. I can only go off of what I see. And I do really think that as far as during turkey season, we haven't really had but one good week of like a four- or five-day stretch where it didn't rain, you know, and throw the temperature back to cold and then try to warm up again and back to cold. This last week that we've gotten in, into since I've been killing birds has been pretty steadily close to the same weather every day.
2: Mm-hmm. We had one mm-hmm.
0: rain day, but, you know, it's just been high winds. But earlier in the season, I think that the weather was just so up and down, plus having that, that early heat rise. In February, I think it kind of threw everything off, and then on top of that, having so many people just invade the woods at once it was it was i think it all of it together really was
1: tumultuous for the turkeys did you do you think that um or I guess have you noticed with the harvest numbers in the areas that you hunt has there been more turkeys killed or has it kind of put a um like a a halt to the actual turkey harvest because there's been so many people out there. It's actually been, we're almost
0: at the exact number that were, were harvested last year on that management area, Hmm. which is crazy to me. Yeah. I kind of figured like I was thinking like, Oh, they're going to get demolished. But one of the things that, and it really gets me thinking is that, you know, I'm seeing these birds in groups of gobblers, but they're still gobbling and hens are coming to them but they're staying in groups so it has me thinking that these birds are
1: congregating
0: out of trying to stay safe
1: yeah that's i mean that that could be true you know um you no know, more
0: eyes i mean i've been i've been picked by a lookout hen in the back of a group more times than i can count you know yeah and but their eyes their biggest their biggest safety net and that's the only thing I can add up is, you know, why I'm seeing. I've seen multiple times this year gobblers running together and then you'll see a bird strutting by himself. Then you'll see a bird with 10 hens. It's just kind of all over the place. And yeah. I think it's I think it's a mix of things. I think the weather has played a big part. Plus the people, you know, it's it's hard to say, but I do think that the weather affected them a good bit this year.
1: Yeah, have you seen have you seen any decline this year in the turkey population in your area? I have not in the woods,
0: as far as the areas that I like to hunt. But as far as on a normal year, I can drive down the road all throughout turkey season, and just like in random farmers' fields, see birds strutting. I have not seen a bird strut since until this week since the
1: beginning of turkey season
0: and i haven't seen a lot of birds just out and about yeah so it, it has me that also has me wondering
1: that's what i've noticed as well you know i, I i'm really hoping you know they they the state of alabama um started our season really a week later than normal and i'm i'm really hoping that that produces more birds in the future and and i'm i'm i don't know if i've said it on the podcast before but I, I know i've said it to several people that i'm a fan of doing whatever it takes to you know if that if that means lower in the lower in the harvest limit um which i don't think would really do much because most people aren't killing five birds most people aren't killing two birds honestly i think it's like 20 percent of turkey hunters are killing um Two birds, which is just a low a low number, you know. It's not that's not crazy high, Um, but I definitely think our the way our season starts so early can really start to take a toll on um, just uh, hens being able to be bred. Um, And so I'm hoping you know that that. that helps. I know a lot. It pissed a lot of people off this year because they weren't able to go out and hunt. And yeah, I mean, whenever birds are gobbling all over the place you know in the beginning of march it makes you think well crap we should be hunting right now but truth be told we need we need to get the the turkey population up here i don't think it's any secret that um there has been a, a decline in it but um but that's it's just it's just interesting to hear because you know like uh let's see yesterday where i was hunting at yesterday uh, on the place that i hunt i won't mention it but um, me and my dad went in, we walked into an area, like I said, we covered five, five and a half miles. And as the crow flies, we weren't terribly far away from you. Like, you know, maybe 30 miles, something like that. Yes. Um, we really were not that far away from you. Uh, but you have had, um, a different experience than we had. And it's just, it's interesting to me how just that shorter distance can separate, you know, goblin turkeys and not goblin turkeys, or just even a, a decent turkey population from a not great one. You know, here, uh, where I live in Coleman, there's a spot on the interstate where across the interstate, there's tons of turkeys all over the place all the time, and on the other side of the interstate, I've never seen a turkey one, and I'm over there all the time. It's just... yes, it's so weird. It's weird how they do things. Um, but I think it would be, man, it would be so so awesome to me if you know, in 10 years we're looking back and, and seeing some of the progress that's being made by the state of Alabama and, and being able to look at it and be like, yeah, that was, that was definitely worth it. Because I want my kids to be able to enjoy it um, just the same way. Uh, so, so you, you kind of notice a little bit of a, a little, maybe a little bit of a decrease in population, whether that be just turkeys going into hiding, they're flocking up in smaller or bigger groups and being in smaller areas, they're not spreading apart. Um, but you notice the difference in your drives, um, and you know, what you were seeing in fields and things like that. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what the majority of your season was like, how many miles you covered and what a regular day was for you in the Turkey woods?
0: One thing before we get into that, that I do want to mention that, you know, we didn't see in our lifetime and. I hope that nobody ever sees it in their lifetime again is that everybody has to remember, you know, in conservation efforts, especially when people get frustrated that there was a time in the 1930s where a wild turkey was rare. Mm
2: -hmm. They were going
0: extinct. And there was, I think in the U S the populace was 30,000 and, you know, we're (laughs) Alabama's got the second highest populace in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. And it's, it doesn't take much to get back to that, yeah. especially with, you know, lack of like state predator control. There's, there's a lot of things that I feel, you know, we could be pumping money into that would benefit us way more than some of the things that we are, but, you know, people have to remember that it's, it's a, it's a privilege to hunt this animal specifically. Mm Mm-hmm turkeys are very very special they're also very fragile a, a pulp if it's 53 degrees and it rains a pulp dies yeah. they cannot stand that temperature and, and be wet so it's, it's we have to work with our states and really understand and you know understand what our biologists are saying even if we don't agree with it it's worth a try because we can easily get back to that point
1: yeah. Hey, I'll give a, I'll give a great example of that, man. Me and my dad were talking about it, um, the other day in West Texas, where I was raised at the lease we were on, we used to see 40, 50 birds at a time coming into our feeders on our lease. I mean, it was crazy. There'd be turkeys everywhere. Um, spring turkey season was awesome. I mean, you pretty much just bushwhack them, you know, they, they, go to water and you'd go call a couple times and some gobblers would come out and you'd shoot them. I mean, it was just, it was just that easy. There were so many birds out there and one year, all of a sudden, everything just switched and we didn't see a turkey for the rest, for the whole year. I mean, it was like, it was like they were just gone. They they weren't there anymore and we weren't seeing turkey tracks. They weren't coming into eating corn out of our corn feeders in the fall during deer season. They were just gone for who knows why. I mean, it may have been a drought. Um, it, it may have been any number of things. It's just, it's just crazy. Like you said, they're so, so fragile. And um, somebody was explaining to me uh, some land that is uh, kind of a swampy piece of land. Well, it was where I shot my first bird at. Uh, real swampy, river bottom. Um, there's a bunch love- of... i i I like it too it's fun to hunt but i mean those birds you you think about how fragile that is whenever the river floods well there goes all of the there goes all of the eggs that have been laid you know um it it would not take much there's a lot of public land around that area that is closed off to hunting you can't hunt it for turkeys at all and there's a lot of turkeys on it though that's the thing is like it's got a crazy amount of turkeys but because it's on that river bottom if that thing floods plus hunting pressure it can be it'll decimate them yeah they they're they're gone you may not have turkeys there forever it's uh and so you know you got to take in you got to take into account that the biologist a biologist is who actually told me this it's um the biologist for this area and she basically was just like, yeah, this is, this is why, you know, that doesn't mean there's never going to be a turkey hunt, uh, you know, a, a turkey um, season on these WMAs. It just means for right now, this is, the priority is keeping these things alive and, and letting them, letting the population grow in this area, which I can totally, totally understand. Granted, I did go in and shoot a turkey on a piece of public land that it was legal on, Um but at the same time, you know, I understand I understand all of that stuff. I think it's I think it's great. We need to respect the respect the animal, respect the people who are um doing the research. You know, a lot of WMAs opened even later this year. So they basically opened yeah. two weeks late. Um and and then there's some zones that open super late. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy and I know there's turkeys in this area and I know people get upset by it. But it is what it is and they're doing their best to, to try to make sure that um, we have a population of turkeys for, for years to come and so man i'm I'm on board with that man I, I totally agree with everything you said so moving in I guess to to kind of your uh your season and and how that looked um, let's get into that man because I know I know people are dying to hear about how how it was and how it actually is turning out to be so you know that first that first little bit was rough tell us about it
0: so on an average day, I was covering around five miles each hunt, if not more. There was one specific day where me and a buddy, we, we walked about around 2.1 miles in. So you have to start walking around. We'd get there at about 3.30, start walking about 3.45. And you're crossing, it's, it's like bankhead type terrain. I mean, big, huge ridges, you're crossing four of them to get to this one squash ridge in between everything that is just it's phenomenal i mean i was hearing like i said five to eight birds every time i went hunting and uh that one particular day we didn't hear any birds it was high wind you know we're sitting there and a bird let off at around 11 and we ended up chasing them and we ended up walking like eight miles that day And eight miles on flat and eight miles crossing ridges, two different things. It hurts, man. Yeah. You know, he's a lot more in shape than me. And he said, you know, at one point I seen you, like, start dragging behind because, you know, I'm getting fat now. I'm getting older. And I was like, yeah, dude, it was rough. But, uh, (laughs) uh, But generally it was about, you know, five miles. And on a normal season, if you're in big block woods that you know have birds, At some point in a five-mile walk, especially around midday, you know, you're going to hear a bird fire off. And once he does, usually those birds are workable. You know, there's a reason they have climbed back on top of a ridge and let a gobble out because they're searching. Mm
2: -hmm. Well,
0: it just, it was phenomenal on the roost. And I would hear birds off the roost once they hit the ground, but it was immediately like they were just getting hand up they were getting locked up and most of them would go silent and then that second week when i ended up missing the bird uh there were several birds that gobbled till eight and nine in the morning and i would be locked in on a bird that i had roosted that i was 200 yards from and he would be giving me the runaround so it was just there was a lot of me going to areas, being covered up with birds, me sitting under birds and then ghosting me. I mean, typical public land birds. And it was frustrating. I mean, I was really racking my brain with, you know, what am I doing wrong as to where, you know, the years before, if I get myself up under a bird, you know, I'm in the game for a couple of hours. Whereas I'm putting myself under birds and here I am an hour into the hunt and everything's dead. And the birds are gone. So, definitely the first three weeks were frustrating, without a doubt. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's, it's so funny hearing you talk, like, I, I'm right there with you. In most seasons, you know, you, if you're going to walk five miles, I mean, there will be some, something that happens in that five miles. Yeah. You might just hear a hen. You might hear you might hear a gobble. You might bump birds or something. I mean, in the in a five mile hike, you ought to be able to at least have some type of action. Um, and it sounds like you you did. You know, and, and on those days you at least had something that happened. For me this year, it was it was quite different. It was uh, it was five miles of nothing, of just nothingness. You know, just walking in the woods.
0: Um, And that's another thing that it it really got me thinking. I was sitting there, I'm like, you know, these birds are communicating. There's, there's, without a doubt, these birds on the ground are communicating. And I really think that with all of the people being in the woods, I think that the gobblers may have just been relying off of drumming, spitting and drumming, which is a lot harder to locate a bird by. I have trouble hearing it. I actually only heard like one or two birds ever do it. And I was pretty close to them, but I, I really do think that there was a lot of a soft talk between the birds, just to avoid yeah being found.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very possible. Um, I, I had a couple times this year when I thought eh, that that sounded like it might have been a drum, but I it, it's just hard to it, you know I'm I'm right there with you. I can't I can't really hear it that well. I've only heard it a couple times on birds that were really really close um it's hard to peg it you know you hear people they're like yeah man i heard a bird drumming down in that ball." i went down there and killed him i'm like man
0: i have to, like i have to have a bird at like 30 yards to hear him drum <laughs>
1: yeah so when you're when you're going out there on those days when you say you're you're basically just just sitting what's your typical setup are you are you just sitting for 30 minutes are you sitting for an hour or a couple hours how does that usually work especially when you when you have had a bird you know fired off within a hundred, a hundred or a couple hundred yards.
0: So if I get on, if I get on a bird in the morning and i say I've roosted a bird, I know he's there. I typically, which this year less than normal years, I usually kind of know how the birds use those areas. So I can put myself in between where they want to wind up and where they are. So I kind of broke off and started hunting some different things this year so I was learning and getting intel, watching them make loops around me where they would end up at midday or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so when I set up, especially on public land, this is one of the things I do way different on public than I ever did on private. I will make myself sit there the first two hours of the day. I'm, for the majority of the time, I'm probably not going to make a move because there have been 20 times that I know of that, you know, I made soft calls that morning, had birds respond, and then all of a sudden a bird pops up that never gobbles. Just walks his way in. Yeah. And I here I am standing there with a call in my hand, gun on my back.
1: Yeah. So definitely,
0: you know, in the morning times and if it's like decent middays, I make myself if I ever touch a turkey call on management, I am ninety nine percent of the time sitting down because I mean, I've been walking on gravel roads before at five in the afternoon. stood there, made a couple calls trying to strike a bird, and a gobbler that me and my buddy Aaron had been hunting for two weeks just walks up out of the holler and stares at us. And we're just sitting there like, what just happened? Hmm. So yeah. I, I have a personal rule, you know, that if I touch a turkey
1: call on management land,
0: I'm sitting down and I'm ready to kill.
1: Yeah. So, so you're not you're not really doing a lot of, it's not that you're not running and gunning, but you're not you're not going to make a, a turkey sound while you're kind of in a vulnerable position.
0: And the only time I will is say, you know, we're getting upwards of like 945, and I haven't heard a bird in about an hour, and I haven't called in about an hour and a half, you know, and I'll pull a box call out and locate. And usually if I had a box called midday, I can usually find a bird off of it, but I do a, uh, it's a good mix. Like usually if I feel like I can make an adjustment, I can make the adjustment and get to where I need to go. I don't really start making movements and trying to get on different birds until I'm fairly certain that that bird has moved out of the area and it's kind of headed to a different area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So, Um, so you did a lot of that, a lot of this just kind of birds giving you the run around. Um, what, what, I guess first, before you tell us this, I know you told me before we started recording, but how many miles did you log, um, at this point this season? At this point this season, I checked, I added it all up. I'm at like 121 to 123, somewhere in that area. Okay so a lot of miles my legs are dead yeah <laughs> a lot of miles that's that's a that's a lot of miles man so what... and i haven't
0: lost any weight i don't understand what, <laughs> Dude, what... it might be what... a, like that that i come home and binge like nothing but debbie cakes
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of what uh that's kind of what i'm i'm feeling like i'm i justify the way i eat during turkey season by well crap i just walk i, I hike five miles a day I i can eat something that i want um so what did you do that switched like what 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 was the the turning point for you that's that's a lot of stuff and it all kind of changed the last week of the season what switched in you obviously hunting pressure went down um but surely somewhere in there you started doing something maybe a little bit different
0: so this week when i started it was sunday that i killed that first bird uh uh, I actually had a buddy, he's also a turkey killer, Slayer. He hunts private and management. He's been hunting a long time, and dude, he's a killer. And going into the season, whenever the first week had hit, I had pinned, going into the season, about 45 to 50 different birds. It was a roundabout number. I was hearing birds and some hot spots. I took about five, six guys that I knew that are hometown guys and I sent them my whole onyx, and I said, look, man, this is where I know that the birds are. I've done the footwork. I know that they can be killed, but we're about to get swamped with people. So if any of us have any chance of killing these birds, you know, we need to all have the info. You know, I'm having to work through the week. I need you guys, you know, that are going to be off, go in there and kill some of these birds before people that we have no idea who they are are dragging all our birds out. You know, so he hit me up and told me that uh, there had been a bird gobbling in one of the areas that we all kind of know about. And I was like, okay, you know, and I hadn't heard a bird gobble in a couple of days. This is kind of when everything died down. So I walked in and I stood there for an hour. It was a high wind day. And I kind of knew where the birds were going to be. I stood there for an hour, never heard a gobble. I was turning around to literally go check another spot that I heard a hen fire up. And I was like, man, I was like, well, I'll give it a try. So I did a fly down cackle and started cutting at her. And when I did, I heard four birds come off the roots. And I was like, wow, was like this might end up good. Well, I sat down. I was on a gravel road and I kind of took myself into the side into like some cattails. And I just started playing with her and as soon as she hit that the bottom of that holler she was just yeah 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 i mean she was tore up and uh they came right to me it was three hens and a gobbler and he was a two-year-old bird maybe three but he was smaller than every one of the hens never made a noise didn't really seem interested. he was just tagging along <laughs> <laughs> I shot him, and I was like, wow, you know, that was kind of a weird experience. So, at that point, I kind of backed up. I was like, well, you know, I've seen gobblers grouped to back up together. Now I'm seeing a gobbler with hens. So, I took a day, and I just rode around the management area. I, I didn't hunt. I just rode around to see what I could see. And what I started noticing was that around 5.30 to 6.30, I was seeing birds getting out and moving specifically use they were ending up on gravel roads i guess maybe to pick up gravel for their their crows or whatever you know to grind up their food or whether they were going from one area to another i wasn't seeing any birds like using any kind of greenfield which i'm like you i don't really hunt greenfields i wind up there because the birds got one there so be it but i'm not going there to sit and so i kind of about all the places that i've hit birds I was, and I started checking them out, and what what ended up happening was, I would start walking into an area, and even on the high wind days, I would get down at the bottoms, and I would start hearing hens. So, like the second bird that I killed, I sat down, I heard a hen, and she was being pretty mouthy, and I started calling. Well, I heard a bird break off. And there were several hens down there, and. It was a heavy bird. I could tell it was a heavy bird, and I had set up so horrible. I mean, there was there was so much in between me and these birds. Well, he had come up to check. Never made a noise, never gobbled, but he came up to check because I was so close. I, I was within like 80 to 100 yards,
2: mm. and
0: it was, I guess, pressure It died off. It was 5 in the afternoon. Probably hadn't heard a turkey call besides the hens he was with all day. And uh he came up checked, never could see me, and he broke off from those birds and started to go up a ridge to my left and I caught him in an open and I shot him. And I was like, light click. I was like, wow, you know, maybe you know, I can kinda get in there on some of these birds that I'm hearing, just never call to start walking some of these gravel roads and hear these birds as they're trying to cross them or move from one area to the other. So yesterday I ended up doing that I, I drove to a, a road that's pretty long and I just started walking and I started hearing scratching in the bottom and when I did it was kind of towards the greenfield I just did a couple feed lines of purrs and clucks and I heard a bird drum in the bottom and uh, they didn't seem like they were going to come directly up to me so I shuffled myself back to the other side of like, it was It's kind of a four way of gravel roads. I shuffled myself back to the other side of one of the gravel roads. And, uh, I started calling again, just lots subtle feed lines, purrs and clucks. And they, they, they stepped on it. They got to move then, and they popped up on the gravel road. And I'm set up wrong. And it was actually three dollars and a Jake, which shocked me again. And, uh, birds ended up kind of circling around in the road and once they turned away from me i was able to put the gun in my left hand and shoot one of them and i kind of did the same thing today you know i i went to a big gravel road and i just started walking and i ended up hearing hens over a ridge and in the bottom next to me and then in between us happened to be some gobblers. i started calling gobbler actually gobbled today and i was set up horrible he was above me on the ridge I was coming out of a cutover and whenever I called and he gobbled all three those three gobblers, started looking over the side at me and they busted I mean <laughs> it was it was over with I, I was sitting there like man I wish I wouldn't have touched that call but you know sometimes you never know yeah but that's kind of been my thing is really just instead of getting out and being aggressive in the way that I'm hunting as far as trying to strike a bird or get a bird
1: to gobble, I've just been moving
0: through the woods and letting them do their own
1: thing. Hmm. That's that's interesting. That's that's a you know I, I've heard I've heard multiple people say that the biggest mistake that a turkey hunter can make is overcalling. And I find myself to be very guilty about that, especially, and yeah, I think my, my situation is maybe a little bit different just because I'm not even hearing turkeys gobble at all. I'm not hearing, I'm not seeing them. And so, you know, it's super easy in those situations to just start hammering on a, on a mouth call or whatever, and trying to get that sound to be as loud as possible to maybe try to get a gobble out of one. Um, but it sounds like for you that that's, you know, a lack of birds maybe isn't necessarily the case, but just maybe doing things a little bit different than most people, you know, not walking down that gravel road and, you know, just pounding a, a box call. It seems like maybe the more more conservative approach kind of is what, what helped you kill those birds. Would you agree with that? And I, I really I really do think that,
0: because i've been parking my my truck pretty far away i think that i'm not saying that turkeys are smarter than people think they are but if you drive down a gravel road and you're the only one driving down it and you're in a hauler system you know that those birds hear it and they know what it is Mm -hmm. i mean there's there's no doubt so they're already alerted so i've been parking my truck on pavement and walking on these gravel roads and that way, if these birds have been acting right all day, you know, just kind of doing what they're doing, not nobody's been in the woods, nobody's been interacting with them, if you do slip in and you hear them and you get yourself within 100 yards and they have, they haven't had anything to alert them yet, that there may be people in the area, to me, your chances of that bird coming to check you out just went up like 50%. For sure.
1: For sure. Yeah, and, and that's something... And that's- Go ahead. And that was just kind of what changed for me
0: because I, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty aggressive caller too, uh, and a lot of when I was cutting my teeth hunting management, you know, a lot of the people that I knew were like, man, you can't yelp to these birds and this and that. But there have been several birds that I've talked with management that I mean, I was wailing on it, and it was actually a bird last year. It was April fourth. He was with hens. And he had left the shelf that I was on and I ended up above him and I ended up wailing at him and he left the hen he was with turned and gobbled at me and came straight to me. So it's, it's situational. And, you know, it could have messed up the beginning of my season. So I'm not taking the approach that I am now, but it's hard to read those birds sometimes like that. You know, I think the longer you turkey hunt, you know, Scott Ellis talks about being able to take the temperature of a bird I think that 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 this year really made the difference for me was watching kind of how these birds were acting and me knowing that they were there with all the people and putting that together and saying, Man, maybe if they just think that nobody's there.
1: Yeah. I mean that's seems like it worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You can't deny dead turkeys. Paid off. What's that? It's paid off but
0: it has definitely paid off. And I, I think that it'll, it'll change the way that I turkey hunt in the future somewhat as far as all time, the way that I approach hunting turkeys, because I mean, until at this point, I haven't ever really just like kind of walked through the woods and listen, you know, I would walk, you know, 200 yards, hit a call, you know, and try to strike birds. But now I'm realizing that if you really just take the time and really listen, you can, the birds are going to show you, show themselves to you one way or another. Yeah. As long as they're just not being completely
1: quiet. Yeah. Man, that's, that seems like it, that seems like it worked really well for you. I'm, I'm pumped about it for you, man. That, as I was seeing just day after day after day, you were posting pictures of dead turkeys. I was like, is he posting the same picture as the one he shot yesterday? Or is that a new one? (laughs) Um, and then me and you messaging back and forth, and I was like, listen, all right, I want to I wanna come up there at some point, because it seems like at least you got turkeys somewhere around. Um, and then my dang foot started doing what it was doing, so I'm kind of bummed about that, but, um, man, that sounds like it was, it's turned into, it's not over yet, you still got, what, two days, two days left. Um, yeah, I actually,
0: I actually ran out of Apex, and, uh, I had to scrabble around and I ended up scraping up some long beard. So maybe, you know, I'm not expecting to tag out and I, I don't want to really. The last year that I tagged out, I really felt guilty about it. Yeah. I don't really like if it happens, it happens. But I'm not I'm not gonna push myself this last weekend. I'm I'm really gonna take the time to just enjoy being in the woods in the spring, man. There's a lot of days that I set there this year that You know, it went silent, and me and my buddy were just sitting there talking, and I loved it. Yeah. I I didn't feel pressured. I mean, and that's part of what I do it for. I love hunting turkeys. I love being in the woods in the spring when they wake up. And I don't like feeling pressure to kill a turkey. And that's (laughs) what I've always done to myself in the past is like, man, I've got to get on the board. I've got to get on the board. And I kind of stepped back from that this year.
1: Well, it it's working out. <laughs> it's all it's, one of my buddies told me. Uh,
0: I have a I can be a loudmouth sometimes, and one of my buddies told me he said, "Yeah, you
1: started killing turkeys when you stopped talking trash." I was like, "You're right." <laughs> I understand. I can be that way too. What the woods have a way of humbling us. That's for dang sure. Um, no doubt. I I get humbled. Ever. I mean, here's the thing: is I'm I'm not. I'm not good at quitting, especially with turkeys for some reason. I just don't want to quit. Um, I'm kind of being forced to quit right now until uh, next week when I go to Tennessee. But um, I, I just I don't like to quit. But, my gosh, there are days where I just get humbled. Like yesterday, I was, we changed the game plan a little bit, went into a new area. Walked in, didn't use the boat. That you know, that kind of changes things for me because I'm almost always using the boat, uh, and I was really confident about it, man. I was jacked up. I was like, man, we're gonna get in here, and we are definitely gonna hear some birds. We got three miles of ridge top to walk. We're gonna be good. And uh, I was humbled. I was very humbled yet again. And, yeah, and, and it's crazy.
0: Uh, like two years ago, I ended up going management an afternoon and they ended up i found i found some birds and i was crawling on them and literally this bird thought i was a bird scratching behind them turned around to me and got killed i mean it's like sometimes they just want to die you know yeah and then you have years like this year where it's like man i can't the birds will talk to me but they don't want any part of it
1: <laughs> yeah that's it's a uh, it's a crazy it's a crazy game turkey hunting is definitely a crazy game there's no real consistency other than they're just kind of gonna do what they feel like doing at that given time so um, well dude man I wish you the best of luck in the uh, the next two days I hope you I hope you do tag out man that, that'd be really cool to see before we get um, before we get off the line though I want to do a quick speed round if that's all right with you yeah go ahead all right so these are just gonna be quick yes or no questions. Um, well, not, not yes or no questions, but like one word you can, you can explain your answer if you want to, but you don't have to. All right. So here we go. Okay. Number one question. What kind of gun are you using? Winchester
0: SXP long beard, 12 gauge, but I just bought, thanks
1: to Dave Owens, uh, a fronky affinity compact and it's getting
0: dipped right now. So I'll be switching to a 20 gauge next year.
1: Nice. What's, what's the reason for that? Uh, their, the larger gauge is kind of
0: obsolete now with TSS. I mean, as much as we walk, a seven and a half
1: pound gun versus a five pound auto loader. It's
0: not even a question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that makes total sense. All right. So, uh, you mentioned it a while ago, but what kind of, what kind of turkey loads are you using? Uh, I am at the moment shooting apex three inch 12 gauge loads
0: but this year I'm also going to get into hand loading.
1: Okay. That's cool. What made you decide to do that? Uh just being obsessed with turkeys and wanting everything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> just want to think about it more. Honestly, that's pretty much it. Um yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh box call, pot call, or mouth call?
0: I generally will i i use a mouth call the majority of the time i strike with a box call in the middle of the day just because it's louder especially a long box uh but in the morning times i do like to sit and use a slate for like my tree yelps that's with soft purrs anything like that first thing in the morning
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i understand um all right, and so you use a use a mouth call more, the most. What's uh, what's your favorite cut?
0: Uh, I've heard it called it'd be a combo cut, like okay. an offset combo.
1: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I like those as well. Um, all right, moving on. Are you a grilled turkey breast kind of guy or fried turkey nuggets? Fried turkey nuggets, we're in the South, man. It's got to be as unhealthy as possible. <laughs> yeah, yep. I've been, uh, so we we stock up on Chick-fil-A sauce, and then their, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? The uh, honey roasted barbecue sauce that they got. Dude, I, yeah. I am just letting you know that for fried turkey nuggets, pretty much any sauce that they have at Chick-fil-A, like stock, it on Chick-fil-A sauce before spring. And uh, you will have yourself a nice turkey nugget meal um, for anybody who does not know Bro, that.
0: I'm going to send you this recipe that my wife's been
1: using. Like
0: she makes these homemade Chick-fil-A nuggets. And mm. they're almost exact. And she's doing it on fried turkey. And it's phenomenal. Yep. I'm going to send you the recipe. Send it, it awesome. away.
1: <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will love it. We actually did a uh, an oven roasted turkey breast the other night. That was really good. It kind of tasted like um, – it had like a pork tenderloin type taste to it. Um, it was freaking delicious. But um, all right, so we, we did that. Let me, let me ask you this. Where is one place that would, you would consider to be like a bucket list turkey hunt? Um,
0: it would actually be two different places because um. As soon as I top out, I've already told my wife I'm heading to Mexico and I'm killing the oscillated. Uh, As far as, like, the hunt, I'm not looking too much forward as far as the hunt, just because I don't sit in ground blinds. I don't use decoys anymore. It's more about tricking the bird for me. Yeah. Uh, My other bucket list, and I've already been once and got absolutely skunked, is Florida. I mean, I got to kill an osceola. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. Uh, public land. We ended up going to the first management area that opened that year, and it ended. We got there. The game warden was wearing cut off blue jeans and a uh, flannel with no sleeves. Never checked our licenses, and he was like, "Look, man, we party here. There's only like three birds a year killed off this place." <laughs> <laughs> it I'll was be- it was wild.
1: Can I we, guess? Uh, can I guess where it was?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Was it Green Swamp?
0: No, it was J.W. Corbett.
1: Oh, man. It's Green and, Swamp uh, ain't too far removed from up. that.
0: I actually uh, woke up at 2 a.m. one night, and there was a swamp buggy with no lie. Like 15 girls, two dudes, four cases of beer. And they pulled up to my tent, and they were like, Hey, man, you want to go party tonight? I was like, dude, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> and we're like, in the middle like there was alligators like 100 yards from our tent and i was like look dude you're not dragging me in that swamp on that thing like (laughs) i'm not (laughs) dying, dying
1: that's cool all right who is your greatest turkey hunting influence
0: uh as far as hometown goes it would probably be a guy that goes by the name of jesse mcgee he is an absolute slayer but he'll kill like one or two birds and then he wants to go kayak the rest of the year and hang out <laughs> but i mean he kills them quick and then he's like all right you know but uh as far as industry-wise shane simpson just because uh that the way
1: that he does everything
0: things that he does uh, he's legit I think he does everything legitimate as as pure as you can
1: yeah I like Shane he's a good guy um alright let's see moving on I should write these down I do them all by memory I really I really should write them down um and then sometimes yeah. I'll, sometimes <laughs> I'll ask them just just random ones I don't really uh but <laughs> the last one is uh the most important one of course but uh you already answered it, so I already know what your answer is going to be. But will you shoot a Jake? Absolutely not. So, and uh, tell me why. I want to know why.
0: To elaborate on that, uh, I believe, and this is my personal belief, is that anybody that hunts, I believe that you should grow in that. And if I had shot a Jake for my first turkey, I wouldn't regret it. But I didn't. I shot. A, I ended up shooting a Longbeard. So I kind of feel like that's behind me. There's there's nothing for me to gain in my growth as a turkey hunter from killing a Jake.
1: Okay, then that seems good. Now let me ask you. Well, we won't ask. I want not ask. I wanna ask you that. Um, that's that's good, man. That's a uh, you know I I can definitely see that. I can definitely respect it. The same thing with deer hunting. You know, a lot of people, you know, they want to con- constantly be um getting better, you know, shooting I, I made a pretty conscious decision at one point this season that was like, hey, uh, well, at least while I'm here in Alabama, I'm gonna do my absolute best to shoot respectable bucks for all three of my bucks. And I ended up only killing two bucks. Um
0: Yeah, but they were hammers.
1: Yeah, but they're they're good deer, you know, and I was I was very happy with that decision. Um and honestly like here Man, I've shot one Jake here in Alabama um, last year on public, and that whole si- the situation was just uh, my dad shot at a gobbler and missed, and I shot the Jake that was with it, and um, it happened. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't look down upon anybody
0: because, in the scope of things, the whole reason that you go hunt is to enjoy yourself. Right. So, and and my aspect on it is if that Jake get your adrenaline pumping, yes, yeah, shoot him because that's that's what he's there for. Obviously, that situation came about in your life, and it was planned to happen before it ever happened. So, right. of course, you know if that's what makes you happy, you know ultimately that's what you should do. As far as the ethics thing. That's where, you know, I kind of get into where I believe that people should grow in all aspects of their life, in their marriage, in their job. You know, you should really push yourself to grow because that's what life is about, is growth. You never want to stay stagnant in anything that you do.
1: But, you know, you also
0: can't be too serious with everything.
1: Sure. Man, that's exactly right. I think, um, you know, I want to see people go out and I want to see them enjoy the woods. I want to see what enjoy... You know, what they have in front of them, especially public land, man. You, I mean, it's right there, and most people have access to it. Go out and enjoy it. And if that means, you know, you're going out and hiking, nature trails, looking for waterfalls, mushroom hunting, whatever you're doing, man, just go out and enjoy it. Do what do what you want to do to, to make it fun. And so, uh, man, I, I appreciate you for coming on the show. We've kind of run short on time, but, um, man, great great season dude seriously congratulations on you know making it happen when it kind of seemed like maybe it wasn't going to uh you stuck with it stayed uh persistent and man it paid off and uh and really truly has become a season to remember and so i'm i'm pumped for you man thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate it brother thank you guys again so much for listening to the southern ground hunting podcast i say it a lot but i'm going to say it again i could not do it without your support so thank you so much for listening um if you like this if you like this podcast please leave us a five-star review on itunes man that you have no idea how much that helps me out um also go follow us on the uh, on instagram and facebook at southern ground hunting on instagram that's all lowercase all one word at southern ground hunting you can search us on facebook um, that's just going to be Southern Ground Hunting. You can also check out the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Now, I have mentioned it before in this episode. I'm going to mention it again, though. I'm going to be in Tennessee for about nine days, um, ending their se- like the last week and a half, I guess, of their season. And um, that stuff's going to be on YouTube. Turkeys or not, it's going to be on YouTube. I'm going to put it up there. we got a couple videos from this season. Not a lot because it's been pretty daggum slow in the last last, uh, three weeks. It's been really slow. But we do have some good videos on there from this season. So please go, subscribe, check that out. Would really appreciate it. That's all I got for you. Alabama, man, you got a weekend to make it happen. So go out there and make something happen. If you're in another state that is maybe just starting turkey season or you've got a couple weeks left of turkey season, whatever the case may be, here's what i want you to do i want you to remember that god gave you dominion over the birds of the air and the birds of the land like the turkey the fish of the sea and the beasts of the earth so go out and exercise that dominion we'll talk to you next week